Welcome to Inside the Crease, the podcast from Power Hockey Canada, dedicated to the Power Hockey community, showcasing the sport, the players, the coaches, and the unique and inspiring stories of life with a disability that break down barriers. Now, please welcome your host, Matt Vecino. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Crease, presented by Power Hockey Canada. I'm your host, and joining me today from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, I got Ben and Megan Thorne. How are you guys doing today? Staying warm. <laughs> yep, I'm hoping that uh, the weather turns around here shortly, but at least we get to come on here and talk about some power hockey. To get started, Ben, you've been playing power hockey since 2005, if I'm not mistaken. So what what drew you to the sport initially? Um... <sighs> As far as joining the sport in 2006, so I actually started in 2007. So 2006, the North American tournament was hosted here in Calgary. And I heard about the tournament taking place at the U of C. And of course, as someone who has always wanted the opportunity to compete in a para sport that was actually competitive, um, the thought of going and checking out a tournament was something that was super exciting to me. Um, and as soon as I was in that gym watching tournament level power hockey, that was it. I was sold and I was signed up for the next season. Awesome. Now it it sounds like that tournament got you into power hockey, but had you participated in any other para sports up until that point? So, yeah, I played wheelchair basketball for a little bit. Um, I played baseball. I did skiing. I did all. Wow. Oh, I did a variety of different things, but the thing about the basketball and the baseball specifically was that they weren't competitive. It was more of a scenario where everybody won and you were just out there for the physical activity and definitely needed a competitive outlet. And to say that power hockey has provided that over the years would be an understatement. That's very true. I mean, I've been playing for just as long as you, and it's definitely the most competitive pair of sports that I think I've had the opportunity to participate in it as well. So I guess it's been since 2007, 14 years now. And, and Megan, you've obviously been seeing Ben participate for those years. So how would you say your brother has changed since participating in, in power hockey? Ben's always been really drawn to sports. It's always been his thing. And I did sports when I was younger. Um, I, can, I did soccer for the majority of my childhood and my youth. And Ben came out and I remember one year, like he'd be on the um, sidelines with my coach and he'd be going up and down the line with my coach and giving him <laughs> feedback. And at the end of the year, Ben got best assistant coach because we didn't have one, but Ben filled in the blank and um, he'd sit in the net and uh, our coach would say, you need to, the goal is to avoid hitting Ben and if he hit 10 laps and Ben would be like, hit me. So, <laughs> I think from that standpoint, I could see his drive to want to be in really engaged in competitive sport. And in Calgary at the time, like he said, a lot of the sports were more um, community-based, more just connecting and getting together. And it wasn't as competitive as he wanted. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I've just seen his confidence grow and his engagement grow. And he's really just been able to, like, come into fruition with this sport that lets him take in all those aspects that he was looking for that he wasn't getting. No, I, I, I can totally relate to that. One thing I want to touch upon, sort of a consistent theme that 
has been across all the interviews we've done to this podcast so far is how inclusive power hockey is in comparison to other pair of sports. Do you, do you agree with that, Ben and Megan? What, what's your take on the sport? I'll let Megan go first because she's the OT in the room. So Awesome. I think, um, I mean, for what's available in Calgary, there's not really any other sport that comes to mind that I think, oh, Ben can play that in his power chair. I mean, you've got sledge hockey, but you're playing in a sledge or you're playing mm-hmm. wheel basketball and that's manual wheelchairs. This is the one sport where I think um, a variety of players can play no matter what your ability is. If you have a power chair, you're welcome to come. And in our league, we get creative. So if you can't hold your stick, how can we rig it onto your chair so that you can play? Or if you want to kind of hold your stick, how can we rig it? So I think it's, um, it's not a one size fits all. And I think that that's the really nice thing about it. Yeah, I think that that's an accurate statement. And I would add to that, that one of the things that power hockey does that you don't necessarily see with other para sports is providing an opportunity for different levels of physical ability to mm-hmm. have an opportunity to do something competitive. Because if you look at um, wheelchair basketball or wheelchair rugby, for example, a lot of those players have a lot of upper body strength and mobility, whereas in power hockey, we have situations where we have players who don't necessarily have much physical strength or ability in that way at all, but they're still some of the most dominant players in the sport because of the way they're able to use the equipment and their knowledge of the game. Totally. I, I think you nailed the inclusivity aspect right on the head. Like I know from my own experiences, I have muscular dystrophy, so I have really limited, if at all, any upper body. So like you said, I rely on those stick attachments, but still have the ability to positively contribute to my team. Um, building off that a little bit, Ben, you have CP. So how would you say that that has um, made your adjustment to the game a little bit trickier or not? I know some people with CP, they're a little bit spastic. So how has that uh, influenced and impacted your ability to play positively yeah. and negatively, if, if that matters? Sure. Um, so, I mean, from a CP perspective, I do have spastic CP, and I think that one of the things that's a little bit underappreciated within the sport of power hockey is your ability to look at your own physical limitations and adapt to that. Um, I think that that's one of the things that power hockey has added to my life is actually more frequently looking at a situation and saying, well, physically I can't do this this way, but I can do it that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one of the things that once I realized that even as a player, that helped me improve a lot faster. I think that's really important. Um, Megan, just turning to you, like your brother Ben mentioned, you're an OT. Obviously we know that being disabled is you want to be involved in the community and also manage the medical side of things, but how important do you think it is for someone in your position to recommend to your clients to participate in, and be active in para sports? I think it's super important. And I think especially um, we've experienced, I mean, growing up with Ben before I became an OT, we're so involved with the CP community and it's so tight knit. And I think that that's also the same for OTs and PTs for that matter. We're all a very tight knit community. So if you know one OT, you probably know five more. It's just that interconnectedness. But um, I think knowing about power hockey is a great way for players to learn so many different skills, whether it be um, driving their chair or gaining confidence or just giving them connections to other people who might be experiencing the same things is super important because um, 
I mean, that's really our role as OTs is to look at somebody holistically and it's not always going to be treatment based, right? So what's out there in the community? You, you want to have fun and these are your abilities. Well, here's a sport that I'm aware of that you might enjoy. We've had a couple of young players recently join and the parents have said to us, it's been a great opportunity just for them learning how to drive their first power chair. So no, um, for sure. Like you said, the, the skills that you learn from playing power hockey obviously translate into real, real world skills that you need. Do you find yourself recommending the sport to a lot of your clients? Obviously, COVID, it's a different situation, but prior to uh, the pandemic? Yeah, um, I think if I run into people in my day-to-day work and they kind of have vocalized that they want to be a part of something competitive, it's definitely something that I've mentioned and um, some have gone out and tried it, I think. And yeah. Awesome. And we're very connected with the vendors in Calgary. So um, a lot of our vendors in the city too also know about the sport and the guys because they, they're in there all the time getting chairs fixed or whatever. And um, the vendors have been great too about kind of going, hey, have you ever heard of power hockey? Yeah, I think that's something that is important. A lot of people don't necessarily think about power hockey when they think of like Paris sports. It's more like wheelchair basketball or sledge hockey. So like, I think it's important that you touched upon these vendors and RT and other medical professionals that know about the sport. They have the ability to really drive participation by reaching out to people that maybe have never heard about it. So I think that's important. Um, one thing I want to touch on is, like Ben said earlier, uh, you are now coaching in the league and also your parents are involved. So how has that family connection in Paris sports and power hockey in particular developed and has it made you guys a closer family now that you're sort of all involved in the game together I think so I mean um before I mean my dad's coached in house league for quite a long time and um it was just a nice transition to like I said before it used to be that role where my dad was with me in soccer and Ben kind of was there supporting whereas now the Mm -hmm. roles are so I'm coaching and Ben's getting to play the sport and I mean it's been just really fun and I'm learning so much from not only Ben but the players and I mean I've always been on the bench to an extent but mm-hmm. not in a coaching role so getting to have that added um, perspective from players where I'd say oh maybe you should try this and they'd say well no I want to why don't we try it this way because this is the way that it works for me and it's like I okay great like it's just that collaboration and yeah. me and my dad have really um we really st- it's just a great partnership because He's got a really good skill set and an eye for the game. And I was able to more manage the bench and um, personality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, how, Megan, how do you find balancing the sister role and the coach role when you're on the bench? Like, is that is that challenging? I mean, I view I view that relationship as less of a challenge and more of a benefit because Megan and I are unique as siblings in the sense that even growing up when we were kids, we never fought. We've always been okay. close. Um, so she has always had a natural ability to read me well. Um, and what that's led to in her coaching is she can tell when I'm frustrated with a specific play, when I disagree with something, when um, games are going well and I could be doing things differently with teammates she picks up on all that stuff from me better than anybody I can think of in the sport other than maybe my dad so having both of them on the bench at the same time is actually super beneficial for me to get that 
extra level of perspective that's been super helpful and I really enjoyed it uh, this previous season as Megan got started. I think it really also like maybe some coaches who might be new to it might not be comfortable going hey Ben like you did this and I really think you should be doing this. Yeah. I think they might be more timid and until they really get a hold and get to know the players but already knowing Ben I, I'll call him on it yeah. like Ben and we have players and I think that really let other players on the team kind of go okay call me on it if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing call me on it and more and more throughout the year we noticed even some of our guys would be like um one of our players would be like Megan Ben's in his head can you go get him back in line and like others would say hey Megan so-and-so's in their head can you go get them back in line so I think it just opened the doors for other people to be like okay it's constructive it's not criticizing me but it's helping me better my game yeah absolutely and I'll add on to that as well that uh, this past season within the house league I managed to finally after years of trying get my hands on a points title within the house league um, I saw that I give a big credit to that to both Megan and my dad and everyone that was on that team because we had such open communication so when, for example, I had a game where things just weren't going my way, Megan would come up to me on the bench and say, hey, like, give your head a shake. You know you can do it, so just go play. And that extra boost of confidence from her and my dad made a big difference. No, for sure. I think you're right. I think when you have those open lines of communication and you know that you can trust someone really make a world of difference. Um, sh- shifting gears a little bit, obviously, Ben, you kind of touched upon this saying that tournaments were the thing that got you started in the sport. But we know they're extremely important uh, to power hockey and and growing the sport in general around the world. So obviously in, in 2019, you had the opportunity to represent Calgary at the, at the Power Hockey Canada Cup in Toronto. How have these experiences impacted your development as a player? And looking back, I guess, 14 years ago now, would you ever expect that you'd be able to represent your city and and travel around North America playing? So when I started the sport, like I said, tournaments did get me into it, and they were also a big motivating factor for me um, mm-hmm. as I was coming up in the sport because, as Megan mentioned previously, I'm naturally a super competitive person. Um, me too. So, um, so as a result of that, what it's led to, what it led to in my early years within the league was a desire to make the point and prove to myself and everyone else that I could make that roster. That was my main goal. As far as how they've helped me develop, I don't think I'd be the player I am without going to tournaments. I think that sometimes players don't realize the value of going to a tournament and being on the bench, even if you're not playing, to see that level of play mm-hmm. and understand um, what people at the highest level can do. So like you even said when you went, because Ben's first tournament was 2008 and mini, and mm-hmm. was so young, and he was, it was just like he was so happy to just be there. His eyes were so wide because it was so drastically different to what he knew from house league. And he got to play a couple times, but he said just being there and seeing these veteran players and like just soaking it in and talking to veterans from other teams, and I think that was one eye-opening experience for you and knowing that being on this bench one day hopefully you're going to be on the court right more and more but it's building up to that yeah absolutely and I think that that's something that isn't necessarily communicated within the sport as well it could be that sometimes as you're coming up in tournaments your role is going to be because in the house league typically for most house leagues 
that I from players that I've spoken to. Um, the playing time is a lot more balanced out within house league. Obviously, sure. it's a shot to play, but um, with, at the tournament level, as far as I'm concerned, it's the highest level of competition, right? So you mm -hmm. want to make sure that you're putting your team in a place where they can be the most competitive, and that sometimes means having a shorter bench, which I think that you pick and choose your opportunities within a tournament, right? There are games where you can kind of open up the bench a little bit and give people a chance to develop, but the idea is that you're supposed to soak in the information when you can. Um, I personally played a diminished role within the Calgary team for half a dozen tournaments before I got my chance to play in a starting role. So I think that that's part of the process and it's part of what makes me proud to be where I am. Just building off that a little bit, do you think that these uh, competitive tournaments really raise the level of professionalism and showcase that uh, power hockey is, quote-unquote, like a real competitive sport? For sure. I think that absolutely. Um, I think from a competition perspective, the tournaments definitely showcase power hockey at its highest level, and I think that that definitely can't be understated. And even when you're looking at things like the streams, you do a great job with the play-by-play, -by, -play, by the way. Thank you, thank you. That uh, that aspect of it is something over the past couple of years that I think has also raised the profile of the sport. I think these tournaments really do a great job of making people see disability in a different perspective. And it's not just like house league sports, people coming together for fun to socialize. It really shows that these players and, and these disabled people really have talent and are great athletes. Do you guys, do you guys agree with that statement? 100%. Our house league, we play in, um, we play at Vivo in Calgary, and it's a huge recreation center, but there's a big ramp that goes down for you to get in. Mm -hmm. But before you get to the bottom, there's two giant glass windows, and you can look into our gym when people are playing, and every week, people are just, like, it's like they're just drawn to it, and they're watching, and we've had people come in and ask questions, and I think um, if you, for people in the public, if you've never been around someone with a disability maybe it's more of an eye-opening experience of like oh wow this is competitive and totally people ask questions whereas I, I almost feel like if we weren't in community it might not be as talked about and right we're For sure. I just think it's a great community hub and more and more people get to know they're like oh yeah there's power hockey again on Saturday let's go check it out and it's you're kind of breaking down those attitudinal barriers that some people might have where someone with a disability can't play in a competitive sport Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from the tournament perspective, um, it definitely showcases that regardless of your level of physical ability, you can still be a top player if you put the time into it. Um, the obvious example that jumps to mind for me is uh, Liam Miller in the sense that Liam Miller from Philadelphia, while he yeah. might not have the range of motion to reach his stick all the way out to the side of his body, he's got such a fine-tuned understanding of everything he can do with his stick and the ball and his chair that a lot of the time there's no stopping that guy. So uh, you take him and you compare him to somebody like Nassib from Toronto or Nathan Grossclaw from here in Calgary or Jeff Barrett. Mm -hmm. That wide range of physical ability just shows that the key part of power hockey, which is why I love it so much, is your knowledge of the game and understanding of how it works. It's, it's true, and I even think of someone like Megan Hines when you talked about that. 
doesn't necessarily have the most physical ability, but mentally her, her brain for the game and her knowledge of the game is incredible. Probably one of the best defensive players in the league. And not only does that show inclusivity for physical abilities, but I think it shows that power hockey is a sport that doesn't discriminate at all. We have men, women, old, young, different races, background. It's, it's really a sport that is open to anybody, which I think is pretty unique um, in that respect. I think it's just, I, I mean, for me, before I even went into OT school, it was, I think power hockey was a great thing to be a part of because it just really, I already had an idea of what possibilities are out there for people, regardless of ability. But I mean, I think of some of our players who like they only can drive their chair with their head and their head for the game is just, it's just like, you know, where to be in you there. For sure. Without even like you, you can't hold your stick, but you're there and you're making an impact on the game. Totally. I think that's what's so unique and so special about power hockey is anybody can play. Anybody can make an impact. Like, like we touched upon, it, it doesn't really matter that you're, physical abilities as long as you understand the game and are willing to learn um switching switching gears a little bit here at inside the crease we also like to talk about more personal things sort of what your interests are what your hobbies are um so starting with that i know that you're big into video production how did you first get into video editing and, and what do you love about it <laughs> that's a that's a long story but the short version of the story is uh i went to I've always had a passion for hockey, like Megan said, since I was a kid. Um, I realized when I was four years old that, unfortunately, my legs don't work, so therefore I'm not going to be playing in the NHL. Of course, yeah, me too. Um, So I was like, so what role can I have within something similar that I could potentially play a role in stuff like this? And I realized that broadcast was an opportunity. Um, I I finished high school, and I ended up at Mount Royal, uh, university here in Calgary to mm-hmm. finish a broadcasting diploma and that was definitely the best two years of school that I had. I finished off my communications degree and in that time obviously the opportunity to edit video at a university like that is something that um, can't be replaced for me and now I've got a marketing role in a not-for-profit where I do a lot of video work and I co-own a video production business so I definitely sleep, eat and breathe it. <laughs> <laughs> did you always find yourself uh, creative or was that just something that you naturally got into and, and became more creative as you started editing? I mean, I would say that video was the point at which when I started at Mount Royal and I started doing video, that was the point at which I realized that I was actually decent at being creative because I've never <laughs> considered myself to be a creative person, but for example, when I finished a documentary that I did on the sport of power hockey on the CPHL YouTube channel, Shameless Plug. <laughs> Love uh, it. I got to check that out myself. That, uh, that documentary made me realize I got a lot of great positive feedback, and that project made me realize that I'm not as bad at being creative as I thought I was. No, so, for, sure, for sure. I think uh, I come from a media background myself, and I wouldn't necessarily call myself creative, but I think you're right. When you start getting into video editing, you really sort of get passionate about it and want to try new things. And just you, you start to come a little bit creative when you're trying to tell a story and, and edit clips together. Um, now, Megan, obviously, we know that you're an occupational therapist. Did you know you always wanted to be an OT? And, and 
how did that come about if not I think so I, I mean I remember being in high school and I was not a good student like I just was so disengaged because I didn't know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and I remember graduate getting close to graduation and I just said to Ben like I don't know what I want to do with my life and he said well why don't you do what you're good at and like help people and so I went to state and I did my therapy assistant diploma so physio and occupational and then um, I worked as a therapy assistant for a bit and realized that there'd been so many occupational therapists in my life, but not only that, I had kind of been growing up. It was kind of like I was an OT in a way. It's yeah. like, I can remember Ben, he couldn't walk and he didn't have a wheelchair in the house yet. So I wanted to play with him, but it's, he couldn't get to where we needed to go. So <laughs> I got my toy bin and put Ben in the toy bin and drag him with where we were going. <laughs> that was better than me dragging him by his feet along the carpet. And my mom was, was just- like, giving him rock burn. Yeah, exactly. I just, I think, inherently I came to realize it's like OT's kind of always been part of my life and it's something that I really wanted to do so I went and got my bachelor's degree in community rehab and um, eventually got into OT school which I've loved ever since. No for sure I think you can tell that you're passionate about it and obviously that you have that personal connection with Ben so it kind of makes sense that that's what you're what you're doing now. Um, (laughs) Before I I let you go, we'd like to close off our podcast with a segment that we call the Six Shot Shootout. Now it's time for the Six Shot Shootout. It's six rapid-fire questions coming at you, so get ready. So I'm going to hit you with six rapid-fire questions, and it's like this or that. So I'll save it questions, and then you have to answer. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Awesome. So sweet or savory? Sweet. Savory. Movie or TV show? Movie. TV show. Pool or lake? Pool. Pool. I don't like seaweed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> not, a, not a fan of things tickling my feet when I'm swimming. No. Uh, but between the two of you, who's the funniest? I think Ben. I think me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Megan makes the best pancakes. <laughs> oh, okay. Are they plain pancakes or are they chocolate chip, blueberry, or what are they? They're plain, but they're they're my mom's recipe, but they're super fluffy. Yeah, she makes high quality. Like, plain pancakes, underrated. Come to our house, <laughs> Megan will whip you up some pancakes and it'll change your life. Well, next time I'm in Calgary, I gotta stop by for some of these pancakes. They sound pretty good. There you um, go. Okay, so last question for music. Are you guys into festivals or small sort of intimate shows? What do you prefer? I think I'm more, I guess, festival. Yeah, I'd be more like show single concert type of thing. Okay, favorite concert or festival for each of you? Megan or Ben? Either. Ben was the Backstreet Boys. No, no. <laughs> no shame, no shame. It's a... Uh, so my favorite concert that I've ever been to is definitely the Foo Fighters. I've seen them seven times. Unreal. But Megan's joke behind that is that as a child, when I was like eight years old, my wish, the whole internet's going to know this now, <laughs> um, I got to make a wish. That okay. I would like the internet to know I now feel like I wasted. Because I would, and can I just say, I'd like Ben, dream big. You're making a wish here. Yeah, so my wish was to go, at that point in my life, I was a fan of the Backstreet Boys, and 
I wasted my wish on going to a Backstreet Boys concert, and here we are. <laughs> it was a great thing, though, at that time for you. Exactly. Uh, oh gosh, I think Shania Twain during the Calgary Stampede. That was a that was oh, a really that, that'd be incredible. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm jealous. That sounds really sick. It was um, so for sure. Now, before I let you go, um, what do you hope for in the future in terms of power hockey? Like, where do you where do you hope the sport is in say five years, and where do you see it going? I hope. I mean, I hope for us in Western Canada, we see some more um, house league teams start up because really, I think in Western Canada, it's just us in Manitoba right now. So. Um, hoping to see some of that growth and um, yeah, just adding to the competitive level, both national, international. Yeah. I mean, for me in the next five years, it's crazy to talk about five years down the road. Cause again, I look back on my time in power hockey now and I'm like, wow, I've been playing this sport for a long time. <laughs> but over the next five years, I think the thing that I would really like to see is, more regular competition with the Canadian and American teams. Like I think that the 2019 Power Hockey Canada Cup was great because it allowed an opportunity for the Canadian and American teams to come together. And I would rather that be an annual thing as opposed to a biannual thing because I think that not only does it give us a chance to see some great friends on a more regular basis, but I think it adds to the level of competition to have those teams there for sure. I agree. I think you're right. And I think at the end of the day, the dream is for power hockey to be a Paralympic sport. And I think in order to get to that, we need more competitive competition on a regular basis to grow the profile of the game. And I think, like you said, having these international, even though it's just North American tournaments more regularly, it'll help with that. Um, final words for anybody listening to this podcast. What would you say to them if they want to either participate in this sport or get involved? What would What would you say to them? I say do it. What's the worst thing that could happen? You don't like it. Like, yeah. And I think we're all, I mean, countrywide across Canada, everyone you meet from all the leagues, we're very welcoming and warm. And if you just want to try it, come out and try it. If you want to join, join. Like we're willing to just kind of see what your wants are and if we can work with you. And I think that I would add to that, that anybody that's thinking about trying the sport of power hockey, being a part of this community has been a life-changing experience for our whole family. It's not just the competitive side of it. It's the opportunity to make connections. And I've definitely got some lifelong friends in other cities um, as a result of power hockey, as well as some friends here in Calgary who I wouldn't have met without the sport. And uh, so I think that aspect of it is important too. For sure, well, listeners, if you listen to Ben and Megan, just do it, as Nike says. Just, just, just do it. Just volunteer. Just coach. Just play. I'm sure you'll fall in love with the sport. Again, Ben and men, thanks so much for taking the time to sit with me on this episode of Inside the Trees. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for your time. Thank you for joining us on Inside the Crease, the podcast dedicated to the power hockey community. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Visit our website at InsideTheCrease.com and follow us on social media at InsideCrease. 